straight from the VAR box. It's the Florida Culture Podcast, soccer podcast for us, by us. It's the best kept secret talk of the day. We got four to five here. No, I can work with that. We, we, it's almost five a side. We just need, need, to, need to go keep our own straight. We got two. So, like, how, how's that going to work, man? So, as long as I'm on a team, we good. Then okay. <clears throat> kicked out some four snows. <laughs> <laughs> we got your boy Grego here. We got Coach Tony. We got Mayor Kane in the building. We got TK on the ones and twos. And, uh, yeah, you know, we just uh, up in here in the VR box, you know, reviewing plays, you know, making calls and, you know, trying to s- solve world domination at one call at a time, you know. Mm-hmm. What's going on, fellas? Mm-hmm. It's been an eventful weekend. Replay camera four. <laughs> Replay camera four. That's a red card. Mm. It's a red card. Mm. Are you sure? It's, Are you sure? Excellent. <laughs> he's got a lot of time to think while he's getting arms hurt. Oh, yeah, your boy is out for the season. Damn, man. son, College man. Boy. Yo, it's fucked up. No, it's not. It's fucked up. It's sports. It's fucked up. What is it? fucked up is not getting the right card. <laughs> Salty. What's fucked up is VAR. Salty. 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 Earl Holland away from being a really good team. I think wow. the whole, the mm. whole soccer wow. world is, is mm. one of Earl and Holland away from <laughs> being a real big deal. No, honestly, we need, I think if we had like, honestly, I think we could fix our problems for cheap if we got like a Miguel Amaran. Like stop, stop, stop. I'm not talking about transfer. I'm Stop, stop. I'm talking about this team. I'm talking about y'all making top four or what? Yeah. What? By default. Y'all making Manchester, top four. Manchester City's going to get so, docked 10 points, so that'll put them level j- with just us. Just 10 points? Just? I think so. It's not going to be crazy, man. Come on. So, okay. Because let, 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 let's, let's jump in there Content. Let's, let's dive. Let's no, dive. let's dive. Let's, I told y'all, man. Put my swimmer's cap on. Cover the hair. You know what I'm saying? Make sure. Are you ready to dive? I'm ready to dive into <laughs> this. Now you need so to dive this. in yeah. like, like Trey Song. Take it so, to the very, uh, the the neighbors know my name. <laughs> not if you're making a small splash. <laughs> But, uh, That's the whole point. <laughs> so, Man City, uh, word came out on Friday that they got hit with a two-year ban for violating financial fair play rules from 2012 to 2016. And... <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, suddenly, it's like this whole Man City world domination project suddenly is, you know... Treading water because you know you talk about a, a lot of stuff that could be affected from this uh, move and um, well let's let's be real about it like part of me thinks is like yes it's it's crazy that this is coming out it's coming to light you know um, the fact that you got owners who buy six hundred million dollar yachts like it ain't nothing um, they're not probably worried about UEFA to be honest. Uh, they're like, yo, I'll buy this thing no matter yeah, what, and that's and that's the reason why they're in the problem. Reason they're in the situation right now because they're like, I can buy my situation, now. right? But my thing is this: like, we've seen how FIFA has like cowered down to you know this financial fair play stuff before uh, because they they did uh, you know jack up AC Milan uh, like a year or two ago uh, doing the, doing the exact same. Thing. But it's not the first time with City though. Well, see, that's a, and that's the thing. It's like the first time. I think, <laughs> and, like, I think every time beforehand, it was like, like, 
it was rumored, but it was never actually confirmed. I'm like, now it's like, I guess at some point they. Why, why did it, so? Why did it go away? They still get an appeal though, like, and that's what I'm saying. Appeal. Like, part of me thinks there, there's still so much that we don't know. And I, still... I think I think what happened beforehand is that they had no witnesses, so they were able to, you know. Oh, that's, that's, that's impeachment. My bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? This is on paper. They spent the money. They did. Yeah, um, but no, I, I think that now that it's like it's, it's out there. Of course, like you said, like they do have an appeal process, and and given the timing and given the the likely effects, of course, they won't be able to uh, participate in Champions League. So no, it's going to be if, funny uh, if they have to. Uh, the appeal has to come before obviously before next year's Champions League starts. So. No. Um, I think that uh, personally, I think that you'll, they'll they'll still get one year out. And here, so here's my thing. About wait, 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 wait! I just I just want to throw this in this. Okay. Imagine United Manchester United finishes in fifth place, and then City obviously can't make the Champions League, mm-hmm. and who replaces them is Manchester United. Think about like the storylines for that. Talk about Manchester's red, Manchester's blue, all that stuff. If that because of financial fair play, Manchester United replaces Man City for Champions League spot. Think about how that would be scripted. That's awesome, baby. Ah, let's pop the top on that. <laughs> <laughs> So satisfying. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I think that, you know, you give him one year. Mind you, I think Pat's known about this the whole year. That's why he's basically been coaching like like he didn't give a shit. Like, what? Eh. You think he's undercoaching? Yeah. I mean, look at, like. Wow. That's, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. How do you go from 100 points last year? It's like, yeah, you know. Because the players. Dude, he doesn't. He doesn't younger. coach defense. He, the thing about it is, like, he doesn't coach defense. Also, though, am I wrong? He's not a defensive his, coach. His defense. His defense is an outscore. It's an outscore everybody. It's outpass and then outscore. And you have you have a defensive line that doesn't have company anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But he was uh, he was half washing. Oh man, he won on the mean, he won on the cup last year. Y'all talk about that like the man won the cup. He won he won on the league last year. But the thing is, it was. It wasn't that he was like washed out or not. It was the direction that he provided. Like even it's one. It's the, the thing about the being leadership. A good he, leader. Had, yeah. he had that je ne sais quoi, you know, that you can't teach a coach. You know, so those things that company had to lead that back line, you don't have that anymore. So they're definitely a little bit more porous in the back than they used to be before. Mm-hmm. Um, and when something starts to go bad. They don't have a person. Yeah. They're now looking to KDB. He's starting to become that leader, right. the vocal person on the pitch, you know? And that's, so, that's like, crazy. Now you're looking at KDB as a, as a vocal yeah. leader. I mean, he, he grew out the red beard. He's like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm a lumberjack this year. I'm in charge. <laughs> that's playoff beard. But, uh, but no, I, I think that uh, assuming that this does go down, like I said, at least a year, and you're definitely going to have uh, – I think the team was already due for a refresh anyway, as far as, uh, you know, just needing new blood in there. This would definitely be the opportunity to where it's going to be like, okay, this generation is pretty much done. We're going to, you know, 
sell off who we can that that's, that can still you know get some money up. Like Real Madrid's already been talking about you know trying to spend over two hundred million for um, for Raheem Sterling, and I think that all considering, it's like yeah, they'd be like okay, you know, we we actually might listen now. So, right. and um, but here here's here's my question that I I think is just absolutely crazy because everyone's still kind of in speculation mode right now. You think they would all lose any trophies uh, because of this? No. Why not? They're not. Uh, we, it's a little too muddy, I think, yeah. to get that involved um, as far as, like, to start stripping titles. Did the Astros like, lose their World Series? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Listen. It's just a hunk of metal, yo, remember? Yo. It's just a hunk of metal. Yo. Yo, you hear that shit? The dude says it's a hunk of metal. Real quick. Whoever, whoever is their PR person need to... How are you the commissioner of the league and say it's just a hunk of metal? Like he apologized who, by the way, but still. <laughs> how, how does the commissioner get that so wrong? How does how does the office, uh, Astros front office get that so? Because you saw their like uh, so called apology. They're talking about like they're doing uh, over under on how many times Astros hitters are going to get belt. Uh, oh, no, yeah. I, I was mean, like that's like. People are big mad on this. They're big um, mad at the TK Vegas, over Chelsea uh, right now. Look, those no, odds Vegas, yeah. Uh, they already did. I will see how much money I can put on Yo, this. ESPN was running those odds on today. I was like, this is crazy. It's the funniest thing it's in the crazy. world. But um, No, I don't I don't think they're going to vacate any of the city's trophies. Yeah, I don't no. think it's necessary. I don't, I don't think, think they're going to. I mean. Because here's the thing about it is that basically what there's – because for those of you who, uh, who aren't aware as far as why they uh, were hit with this ban – Basically, they were lying about how much money they were making for, for about four years. Mm-hmm. So while they were over here, you know, basically being the top team in England and saying that, hey, we're making all this money, they were like, no, you're really not, you know. And it's always muddy because what the relationships that they had, especially like with their Etihad uh, sponsorship deal, uh, given, given the their government ties and everything, they're yeah. basically able to say, like, you know, did you really make that money or did you just say, hey, cuz, I need, I need some. Yo, help me out, yo. Help me out. It's your stimulus package. <laughs> Basically, that's what happened. And eventually, you know, like I guess somebody snitched and said, "Hey, it's, it's it's right over here." They didn't really make that money, so you know, I, I I think that they were able to to benefit from having that, and I think that's where the thought of them losing their titles come in place. Of course, my thing would be okay if you lose it. Are you going to give it to? I think one year the year that uh, Liverpool. I'm like, no, don't do that. No, that's whack. That's what no. I'm saying. No, so, like, vacate, so like, if you did it, just go just vacate and say, hey, nobody gets this shit. No, they'll yeah. just, it'll be a fine. It'll be a fine. That'll what be helpful. They're already getting fined like three. Fine, but also yeah. a transfer it ban. Could be, too. It could be like an additional fine or something that, you know. The Speaking of transfer bans, and let's go back to our original point of what I was talking about. Yes. Is Chelsea going to make Champions League next season? Yeah. I, we'll, Chelsea will make the Champions League by default. <laughs> default. <laughs> y'all will, champion, so y'all go, you're going to be Wolves. You're going to outplace Wolves. You're going to outplace Southampton. You're going to outplace Sheffield. I don't know how if we're going to outplay those Arsenal teams. Arsenal now? To answer your question. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think we'll make top four, and it'll be by default. If you can just kind of look back through the course of the season, a lot of the other teams have been dropping points. It's, 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 it's actually... Like, it's very interesting. Dude, we like, don't deserve we... to be in fourth, flat out. But the other teams don't deserve to be in fourth either. I agree. You're taking I, what you can get. So, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's about like, it. oh, somebody else fucked up. Sweet, we got lucky today. Oh, like that's the only luck that Chelsea's had this season. 
is that everyone has been almost as inconsistent as they have. Speaking of inconsistency, are you? Uh, how, what, what is your stance now as Lampard as a manager? I mean, he needs time, man. Like, this is a, yeah. Chelsea's a huge project, so like, you can't even like even with like sorry, and he like won it in the first year, and like was all radical, and like changed the formation and the philosophy and all this. Smoking cigarettes, but like, <laughs> like no, nah, no. Nah. But you know, you know, you need you need time. Or excuse me, I said sorry. You need Christian Pulisic because it's. I think it's very yeah. clear now that that y'all miss him. We need the dynamicism in midfield, but I, I still think we're like probably two or three players from being the team that we should be. So let, let's be real about this. Let's be funky. If Chelsea finishes six, considering all the transfer bans that they went into going into the season, would you be okay with that? Considering y'all had an uphill battle to start with. Uh, I don't think so. Um, really? I, as a fan personally, am, pretty brutal with my criticism so like I my standard is high um and I as a Chelsea fan I want to see them in the top four that's the the minimum um very very strict with it honestly so yeah they for me they should be making top four but um I see what's going on this year Wolves look great um even Sheffield can make a run for it if they you know have a couple good results. We could do it too. Uh, I know we won't be getting rele- relegated. We've got forty points. So, yeah, but, you, uh, but, but circling back to um, wipes forehead. <laughs> but circling back to city, I, I'm. I think for those supporters, I think that for them, they know how United supporters felt two years ago when when uh, we finished second, but we were like twenty five points out. And we're like, you know, you you finished second, but yeah, well, we finished like twenty five points and never had a real shot. So that was last season too. Everyone was twenty five. Yeah, everybody was, yeah. It's yeah. at Liverpool, yeah. but but yeah, I think that. Um, actually, I I think that, it, of course, Pep's said that he's planning on staying. Whether it's they get relegated to League Two, I was like. No, you're not. He's not. That's bullshit. Uh, he was not. honest, though, in that interview. He was like, if I, I couldn't do this with an, another club, you know. So, I mean, dude, he's got to say that. Nobody, he's got to say like that. That's why. I mean, no, he doesn't. He, he has be, to say that. No, he doesn't. He, he does He could be Jose Mourinho-esque. He could be a Diego Maradona-esque. Nobody be, else. You know, like, whoa, 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 those are special cases. Right. Those no, are, no, hold on. Don't, don't do it. Don't, hold on. We're going to make a hard right later on in the show. Don't do it. But, no, seriously. That's outliers. That's not the rule. But, no, other club is spending $500 just on the back line. So, like. That's that's, that's the his request. Line. He's like, get these players, and they're like, I don't care what it costs. He doesn't even worry about that. That's like one of the few. Because other t- other clubs would be like, you want to spend. Like I got more Chelsea money? questions. Just FYI. Hey man, I got more. Like, go for it. Go for why it. is the keeper diving at the ball after the ball's in the net, homie? <laughs> that's um. <laughs> yo, did you see that? That's a reactionary thing. <laughs> Dude was diving for the ball after the ball was in the net. Have you watched much of Andy Caballero <laughs> even that city? Bruh. He's, he's very consistent in this, man. He's So you got to start Keppa, right? No. I think oh. Keppa will have a positive response, but I think he stays on the bench the next game. Mm. Like, I think he need. I think Lampard's going to try to really make a point of some sort with him. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, if that, you know, can be um, some sort of 
you know, rejuvenation period for him so he can actually step back into the starting 11 and actually start blocking plays and being the vocal voice that we need from the back so, and seeing those runs where he can start distributing the ball forward to the wingers and midfielders, etc. So. I, I do have to admit, even as a United fan, obviously we were lucky with the VR, this VAR decisions, especially with McGuire should have been out of the game. Yeah, McGuire. I, I don't care. Like it's funny, you know, the interview Scores. immediately after he's talking about how he was bracing for himself and all that. I was like, that's bullshit, dude. He knew what he was doing. Come on now. Like this is it was the same. It was the same motion that Son did same it to motion. uh, who was it, Rudiger? Um, to Rudiger. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, that same foot action, like that was BS. I, like he should have been out of the game. So there's that aspect. But you know, it, it's funny with like Martial. He actually had a great game. <laughs> Honestly, here's the funny thing about that. Christensen gets his nose broken. Broken. Mm-hmm. Comes back on the field and then is, sees um, that he has to go over to, to try to man mark that, uh, to prevent that goal from happening. Can't get there fast enough. Rudiger's out of position. He's out too wide. If he was on the six-yard line of the box... That goal's prevented. Martial can't make that run, and that that ball gets rebound somewhere else in, on, on the field. And you know maybe a goal comes from something later on in the match, but that goal doesn't happen. And if the match was refereed or officiated correctly, there's a VAR decision that doesn't allow McGuire to be on the field to score the goal. And this is a totally different game. Match well, yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's funny as we just said, like. I still say that the MLS actually does something better than the Premier League as far as VAR goes. And the reason why I say that is because the MLS, when it comes to VAR, the referee goes to see a screen, makes a decision from that. In the EPL, they get a call from God. God says, yo, (laughs) that was an offside. That was in a red card, you know, and they're not making the decision. So then it's like, okay, so what is the ref's role in the game? They only have 85% of the control of the game. Then. It's and that's where I'm thinking, like, too. I, th- in, in, I mean, like who, who is the official? Like, right, exactly my point. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, at least MLS does better than that where the ref who made the call, he goes to the video, he or she goes to the video and says, you know what? Dang, I got that wrong, yo. Maybe I should call it back. That wasn't a PK. You know what I mean? Like, see, that takes guts. And what I think that what a lot of the referees are even more fearful of is making like that call. They don't want to stop a game, or they. I think they're in a fear of the backlash of making a big call. I think that's the bigger call, right? To, to own up. There's a pride. Yeah, there's a pride factor. Yeah. You know? I think what people forget about with officiating is it's not meant to be perfect. It's meant to be as fair as it can be. But I think what I mean, you're not you're not we're not we're human. We're not we're not perfect. You but you're you're aiming to get the call as best as possible. But to your point as far as um differentiation and 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 MLS actually having something to offer, um, I think that's one of the decisions, or that's one that's one part of the the game there that differentiates them to elevate the game. 
I mean, they they took the risk of even implementing VAR. One of the first leagues to implement VAR, that takes guts. So they know they, they were trying to elevate the, the game, elevate the brand um, and the quality of the game. So it's like you got to do things that you, you really don't want to do sometimes. And you want to try to get to the, you know, be the first to do something that so... Now that every, everyone else is is following, everybody's following. So it's like, all right, I, hey, 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 I'm not one to shy away from top five talk, but it it that says a lot. I mean, the world is looking toward America, like to MLS, VAR. That's pretty big. Now that's that's definitely taking over um, the world of sport. But um, I just wanted to throw that in there. You know, I I, I think. Uh, it's there is a optic thing like the aesthetic look of a referee going for themselves to look to see if they got the call right mm-hmm. or lack of call versus someone else telling them. I think that just I mean, reinforces I assurance in oneself. But you can't you make the, the call. Story. But can they? Can they change the process as far as like you? You have like all right. If I'm a ref, I'm in. I'm in uh, EPL. I'm a ref. I can't influence the call. I can't go to the VAR booth and say, all right, and challenge the the voice of God to say, hey, this is what I see on the pitch. This is what we all see in the in the uh, in the the stadium. I thought that was. Can we challenge that? that? They have the, the final call and that the role of VAR is simply to say, hey, I think you should take a second look at this. We have some angles that I think if you have seen it from the angle that. I saw it here, or but the EPL you know, reps aren't doing it. They're not doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Someone's right. telling them this exactly. is what we see. But why can't I be a ref Which and challenge challenge the call from yeah. whomever is telling me what the call should be? And that's what I was just. I think you're reinforcing the point. I think the refs are afraid to make the, the bigger call. Do you think there's going to come a point in time in, in the game of soccer where there's going to be challenge flags like in football? Or basketball now. <laughs> nah, nah. It'll be a car, Tony. Come on. No, be a car. I mean, like, they were like, yo, we want to go to the bar. Yo, check that shit out, yo. I don't yeah. know. It, it could definitely come flags. from something like that. Uh, I mean, like, that's not, that's not out of the box. It's not too far. Is this what I'm saying? I mean, I don't see how it would translate, but at the same time, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I mean, that would be a, a bigger box, like, dive of a bar. Like, and I don't get one to have. It's kind of like. In uh, hey, baseball, like the way that they do replay is kind of how EPL is doing how they their VIR works. Someone is telling them what they're seeing and how they should call it, but the manager also has a, a can is calling that like you know watch that go look at that. So I can see your point of the the manager influencing the call saying hey go check that out, but do they throw flags? <laughs> That's. Just, hey, I don't know. I mean, I can see you being on someone's sideline with a flag, trying to throw it as far as possible. You're trying to hit the other keeper on the other side. Of the I mean, like, you know, that would be the assistant referee's job. But, but yeah, no, the, but fourth, like, the fourth I, official, excuse me. I think it's been crazy that remember in Champions League when they brought that other official that's looking the goal line. I think I that was crazy. Six officials, mm-hmm. dude. Six that six was crazy. Great. It's a, it's good. Get it right. And what but, are those six officials for? Get it right. We want to educate, you know, our, our, our to listeners. get it right. Oh, oh, sorry. But yo, so wait, wait, he had a question. No, I was gonna, like, Greg, I was gonna, I was gonna, 
go answer the question. We'll segue with that. Which, which question are we? Oh, my Lord. What is the reason of having Focus, Greg. I was trying to get to get the final word. What is the point of having six officials? Adjective. On the pitch. On the pitch. To get calls as right as possible. And VAR should be supplementing that. But at the same time, I think like you said, the final call should be on those on those refs that are out there on the field. Who and are those six refs? The, the line judges. The where the, are they? At? They're on the <laughs> touch lines. You know what? He just man. he just turned the clock back, man. Greg is like another. Greg is the guy who walks in the class right now. I'm trying to get this interview, man. Like, like we we were guests, man. I'm trying to, you know, get get to. I'm that. sorry, VAR needs to be discussed, man. Absolutely. Championship <laughs> determined is matter of who's going to Champions League next level. All I know is we come for that fifth spot. If it has the potential to ruin the game, we need to speak. We need to know, man. We need to know. Trust me. Do you say VAR? Do you say VAR? Uh, VAR. Who, who okay. got time to spell that shit out, man? But, um, but yeah, potato, potato. Let's uh, let's let's get to this uh, this interview. We actually uh, we are part of a of a postdoctoral you know uh, research. Uh, Dr. Jermaine Scott. Uh, he had his. Uh, Your honored and pleasure to be chosen for this uh, this research. Yes. Throw that in there. And. Uh, you know, he's been reaching out to all the different black uh, soccer supporters, groups, all, all the such. Yes. Yes. It's supposed to be outcast. Uh, I, I got that. Reference. All the different black supporters groups uh, within yeah. the black diaspora specifically yes. is uh, the Trust aim of this doctorals for uh, Dr. Jermaine Scott. And uh, we're going to go into this interview uh, yeah, here in a little bit here. They interviewed us and also our fan from, uh, from Madison, Madison uh, Flamingos. And, uh, yeah, we had a chance to, you know, talk, talk the game and, you know, just talk about, like, how, you know, we've all been kind of building up, helping build this uh, uh, black soccer community to heights up. I don't think it's been seen before. So, enjoy this. Um, we're actually uh, doing this uh, part one. And uh, we'll see y'all at the at the end of uh, part, uh, part one. And, uh, switch y'all off for part two. So, we'll be right back. We are back here with we got, we got the fam here. We we are part of a project, so we got Dr. Jermaine Scott, uh, and uh, basically what what uh, he's a uh, actually let, let me let, let's Dr. Scott introduce yourself. Let's and uh, I'm gonna set up what we're gonna about to do here. Um, uh, what's what's good, man? Yeah, thank you all for uh, you know. For having me uh, again, my name is uh, Jermaine Scott. I'm here. Uh, I'm a postdoctoral fellow here at the University of Virginia, you know, Charlottesville. Wahoo! Wah. Uh, right. uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, that's cool. I mean, but no, I mean, thank y'all again for you know for having me. Um, basically, my research looks at soccer uh, in the African diaspora, and I'm interested in how. Soccer really becomes a space for, you know, black people to assert their identity, uh, to assert their politics, um, and to kind of form uh, kind of, you know, coalitions of solidarity, really. Um, and so my current research is really looking at kind of U.S. soccer culture, but kind of black U.S. soccer culture. Um, and particularly this kind of emergent, 
uh, what it seems to me to be an emergent kind of uh, culture of uh, black supporter groups of different clubs, um, just kind of a broader uh, black supporter culture of U.S. soccer. And so I came across Featherstone. I came across uh, Black Fires uh, and, of course, you know, you all for the culture. Um, and I'm just trying to get more information on it, what exactly you all are trying to do, why you are trying to do it, um, how you all got started um, and just really trying to, you know, uh, contribute to this conversation that's being had. Well, of course, the answer is world domination. Do the same thing we try to do every day. Pink in the brain, 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 So yeah, so Dr. Scott's going to be interviewing uh, us. Uh, we're actually going to be the uh, interviewees, and also with us is uh, it's our fan from from Madison, poor Featherstone. What is going on, man? What's up? Good. Are y'all ready for 28th? Whoa, whoa, time out. Do that again. Y'all gotta come in hotter than that. The two of y'all gonna come in all... Kyle didn't even say anything. You already yeah. called us out for the army nonsense earlier. <laughs> like, why, how are you supposed to do that? Why are you judging us right now? I'm like, just saying, like... But what's good? Chris Fox in the building. April K. Kyle Thar, we out it. here. Oh. Stop messing with us right now. Wait, Come why on. you say everybody's last name but mine? Because <laughs> I figured I had to say it. <laughs> Damn, gender roles already. See, that's messed up, man. Already. That's why she that's why she had to go ahead and set her own make her own supporter group. She's like, forget y'all, brother. She only got like like five different uh supporter groups on her own, man, so you know. <laughs> Don't forget my surname. <laughs> She got mango ladies. She, she got uh, I, I saw one uh, Doctor Flamingos. Like I like I, I'm trying to keep up with everything. Mingos at the lake. There's too many <laughs> mango parody accounts. There's too many of them. I mean Jesus, but yeah, man. So yeah, so uh, yeah, Doctor Scott. Uh, so we're uh, glad to have you on. Glad to, glad to, uh, you know be your guest. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's let's get this thing cracking, man. Sure, for sure. Um, well, yeah, I mean. I guess we can just start with, uh, I mean, I guess maybe for the culture first, um, and then, and then, uh, Featherstone Flamingos. If you all can just talk about how and why you all got started. Why did you all feel the need for, for the culture to exist? Um, so about, about 18 months ago, it's about last, summer of 2018, uh, I got with a couple partners of mine that I already knew here from the, Atlanta soccer community, uh, Vera Ziegler and uh, Rashad Kane. I was hoping Rashad's going to be able to make it um, here today, but I think he's going to be a little late. But um, but yeah, we uh, we had basically we had noticed the soccer community here in Atlanta, and we've noticed that it's black as hell. You know, a lot blacker than than what we would normally see in, in other circles. Because me, I come from uh, Richmond and in D.C. Uh, Tony, he's from here. Uh, TK, he's like from South Georgia. He's also spent time in England as well. And like, we know that for the most part, you don't typically you don't see a lot of black people within the soccer community. And and I, I've known just from my little bit of traveling that we are out there. It's just a matter of one. Uh, I don't think that we know we don't. Sometimes we don't know of each other, and then two. I don't think that I think there's still a perception in this country that uh, that black people don't think soccer is cool, that we're not into soccer. And I was like, yeah, like we gotta we gotta change that. So uh, we did some planning over that summer, and 
Can, uh, can I can I add to that? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I think it was funny from my my uh, stance was that uh you know I came from the player aspect and the coach aspect and you know growing up here in Atlanta, um, obviously Atlanta being kind of like a black mecca, but still like in the soccer community it was still like if you out in the fields it was always still just one black kid on each team type of thing. And, you know, for myself, especially growing up in the east side of Atlanta, like in the black community, it's like you either play ball or you play football um, and some baseball as well, too. But and I was always outcasted for being the one black kid playing soccer. He's a white kid. Yeah, I was called the white boy and everything like that. And what's funny is those same people who called me that back then. Now they want me to train their kids. But uh, (laughs) but the thing about it was like, you know, it. Atlanta for so long was so black and white, but obviously with, you know, everything being the headquarters here after the Olympics, after, you know, obviously the good old days of Freak Nick, uh, <laughs> you know, Atlanta just you talk about that later. Yeah, that's another story. But, you know, it blossomed so much. But for myself, coming from the player and coach, it was always just that one black person always on the field or representing each team. But then when I ran into Grego at this uh, Black Arrow event, um, it was weird to be in a uh, a community of just first of all just so many people who are of color who are loving the game but there was this <clears> other <throat> half that i didn't know about or have any like you know reference point for for the soccer you know community who might not play the game or coached or whatever but who are all fanatic about the game and it was just a whole new experience for myself where i was like yo these people know you know, just as much, just as much, or if not more than me, of the game and know all the history and everything like that. I was like, "Yo, y'all black and y'all nerds about this sport too? What? Let's do this!" You know what I'm saying? And this in the A, let's do something with this. And so, basically, you know, we did a lot of head scratching, did a lot of you know whiteboarding and trying to figure out what we want to do. But we knew that this game is something special within our community. Obviously, people of color have been contributing to this game for eons. And now that it's starting to become a cool thing, you know, now that rappers are endorsing and now the mainstream is endorsing it, you know, and that's why I even heard even more when Kobe passed away because he was an ambassador when it wasn't cool, yeah. you know. And um, so now that it's starting to be a thing that where it's cool, we're just trying to highlight the stories of what's going on, you know, before it became cool, during the present and seeing where the thing is going in the future. Basically, that's what we're trying to do and, so, and show that the culture has a myriad of options and ways of how it looks throughout this uh within the US and then let alone the whole world. But, you know, that's why it's cool to link up with like Featherstone and Black Fires and everybody that we've been working with. Like some of these communities, they might not be in the mainstream, but like, yo, they got a deep culture that's cool as hell. So we just try and highlight that. Yeah, so uh so about like I said, October twenty eighteen basically what it came down to was that we're trying to figure like how do we get our voice out there as far as like our our particular project and what I had realized was that there was hardly really anybody of especially of uh any African Americans really talking soccer on a consistent basis. Like you like you would have like studio an- analysts like Maurice Adu, Kobe Jones, things like that, but as far as like Shaka. Yeah, Shaka his love. Uh we it would be like in that type of a- avenue, but as far as like just talking on a weekly basis there wasn't really anything out there um, uh, like, especially here in this country. And we were like, yeah, that could be us. And, and so we started uh, started to show, it was like the late October, 2018, about, we're about 70 episodes in like, Jesus, man. Damn. Like, we are. Yeah, we're and people about, still want to hear us talk. Somehow. somehow <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, of course, uh, you have me, 
Tony, uh, Ringo, who's uh, usually on, TK, uh, Rashad, and uh, Vera, that's more so on the on the design side. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, been um, ripping and running, you know, connected with everybody all over the country. And, and uh, it's, it's been, that part's been the real dope part to see. It's just, you know, being able to flesh that community out from everywhere. Because one thing we always say at, at the end of our, all of our shows is that the culture is everywhere. And it's just a matter of, I think, you know, giving everyone that platform to say, hey, you know, we're we're in this too. And, you know, whether it's black, white, brown, whatever, it's, you know, it's just that whole connection and with the community has been really dope to, um, you know, be a part of. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm actually thinking of something that, that you just said. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if you all can define what you all mean by like the culture, right? Like, 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 who do y'all have in mind? Who is your, like, who is your audience? Like, what do you, when you say for the culture, who, mm-hmm. who are you, who are you speaking to, right? Um, it's, it's funny that you asked that because we, we talk about that, that all the time because I think especially like within like the first like six, eight months, it's, it felt like, uh, the only people that was really hearing us was like with white people. We were like, <laughs> we were like, you know, that's cool. And like, we, we love our allies and shit. Like, that's, that's, that's all cool. The show is gentrified, man. It's just like yeah, Atlanta. Exactly. It's funny. But, um, you know, like, I'll, I'll always say first and foremost is our, our target audience is, you know, those black soccer fans that don't, that are looking for that type of uh, representation. And, you know, if, if obviously if we grow from that, then cool. But um, always wanted to give us a platform. That's why, like, we have uh, um, guests like uh, Featherstone Flamingos and Black Fires and River City 93 and... Uh, we've had players and coaches on like, cause a lot of times, you know, that platform isn't always provided, you know, just to, to get that voice out there. And, you know, and obviously with this game, there's connections all over the place. And if you are, you know, if, if you're down with, with, with the message, then cool. You know, well, I, I think that we win in this knowing that, you know, it, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, and that's and that's fine. Like you know, we're we're going to keep plugging away anyway. So, um, my my hope is that you know, for those that that learn about us, you know, you know, like we're 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 down with you too, um, and hopefully it gives you a, a new perspective. Because like when uh, when you say as far as like who the culture is, like typically we talk about things that are that are coming from from the black fans point of view you know whether it's you know whether it's talking about you know new sneakers or talking about power or talking about the all-star game like things like that um you know things that would typically be within the conscious of black america that's the kind of stuff that we would uh typically talk about and then of course we we, you know, we always bring it home with talking the game of soccer and um and with that i think it all it, it brings it all together and and um, you know, makes for a real cool conversation. I mean, I think the the I guess the the big way of saying that is just like we we're trying to like highlight the minority voice. You know, so much with soccer, what you see there on social media or or the major media outlets is from a mainstream perspective. But when I say minority, I mean it in the literal standpoint of you know, obviously people of color, but also in the sense of when we talk about cultures. We're also trying to highlight cultures that just probably wouldn't get a voice. You know, whether it's going to these USL matches and hanging out with the supporter groups there that probably don't get highlighted. 
those are the cool things to see because those are the ones where you see like, yo, this is what soccer is about. It's building for the community. Like back when we had a show with the Oakland Roots last year, I mean, this is a team within the NISA league where their thing is truly about having the community involvement being built from that, from the ground up and how the team and the logo and everything like, yes, it's the roots aspect and it's very cliche, but really they do have roots, um, spread out through the community. And those are the things that we want to try to highlight. That's the culture. That is the culture of soccer, how teams are built from those neighborhoods or those communities. And they might start out small, but then they next thing you know, they spread all over the world type of thing. So that's the culture that we're trying to highlight. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, going, I mean, going back to, to what you were saying earlier, I, I, I'm wondering – why you th- are like what? What do you think attracts black supporters of soccer that that have not played soccer? Right? That like what? What do you think about the game that attracts non-soccer playing black supporters? Right? Like 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 what is that piece that is gonna attract that is gonna you know bring them into the culture that they otherwise have not had uh, exposure to? Can, can I say something about that, Doc? Like for me, it was it, like I said when I went to that Black Girl event. That was. That was an eye-opening experience. You know, again, like I said, I came from a player and a coach aspect angle. And, right. you know, to meet brothers and sisters who didn't play the game, but were, like I said, fanatic. Right. And a lot of them, you know, it's, it's funny because Gregor, when he talks about it, when people fall in love with the game, a lot of them highlight whether it be a certain World Cup or whether it was be some version of FIFA coming out. You know, a lot of times with my best friends, they come out, they say, man, that FIFA, that, yo, you play that new FIFA? Yo, that thing go hard. And, you know, they talking about, like, it's just like the latest NBA Live type of thing or Madden. Um, I and, can't remember the last time I played NBA Live. That, like, that, that's that's like that. <laughs> Or, okay, NBA 2K Live. Even that, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it, it's funny how, like, being exposed to that culture, how so many people got into the game, usually – you know, people within the you know the twenty five to forty age range, it was a certain World Cup probably in the early two thousands that kind of jumped them off into it. Um, is that about? Is that about? Oh, fair? Yeah, like because uh, I actually missed O two because I was in um, basic training during, during that World Cup. So and of course it was like in the middle of the night anyway. So you know I, I completely okay. missed that. And um, but uh, I got back into it in, um, in O six and. I think having that time, because I think up until like that point, I really had only watched the World Cups and and uh, MLS. Like I, I, I've watched MLS since day one, like the literal like first game in San Jose. And uh, but aside from that, I really didn't really follow the game like in super detail. And the thing that actually got me was actually the the math involved because. Me, I'm a I'm a I'm a closet nerd. Of course, if you see me, you would not think that I'm I'm that kind of dude. But yeah, I got pay attention to those type of little details. But um, I uh, I was noticing like the the free kicks and everything, and like you know the curls and dips and everything. And I was like, you know, me, my first sport was baseball. So you know, when you especially like when you're pitching and you um and you you're pitching a ball. And you know you have your different type of grips and pitches and everything. It's one thing when you have your hands on a ball and you're able to kind of manipulate the the ball to, to curl and uh, dip however you want to. It's a whole different uh, dynamic when you're doing that with your foot because of course you can't you can't grip your foot 
uh, you cut the ball with a foot the same way that you can with your hands. So, you know, just the type of, uh, you know, the physics involved in that really just kind of got my attention. And, of course, seeing the fans and supporters, because I think that World Cup was in, in Germany, the fans were out of control. It was like that's the type of environment that, you know, it's infectious, that it's like if, if, if you've seen it on TV, you're like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. And that's something that from that point on, I was like, I'm pretty much immersed myself in learning the game and learning the history. And pretty much like everyone that I've has come across me, it's like I tell people, like, it's not that hard to really get into. And, Nerd! And um, hang on real quick. Um. But uh, but yeah, it's it's um, been super um, cool to really get into and and I'll learn and learn more about what y'all got about this time. What y'all got? Nerd. I don't know. Y'all been dictated the whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah, I, think, I mean, uh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna uh, throw it the the, the feather to to see. I mean, I mean, I already spoke with April a little bit, but I mean, I would love to hear from Chris and Kyle about how y'all got started and I mean, really the same questions. If y'all have any input on the, on the questions uh, posed earlier. Yeah, I guess how I got started was my dad grew up in Antigua, so soccer's always been a big sport down there behind cricket. So for him, he's always followed the game and played it when he was growing up. So when he came to Wisconsin and had kids, he tried to impart that wisdom as well to myself. Um, he does. But yeah, so he does realize that it's very cold in Wisconsin compared to Antigua, correct? Yeah, I, I'm surprised it's a here to be honest, but no. I, so I, they kind of showed me the game, and I would watch games with my dad all the time. And it really wasn't until the World Cup of 2006 that came around for me because we had just gotten an Xbox, played FIFA on that, but then I was able to watch the World Cup and then found out when I was able to watch, you know, the Premier League on Fox. So that's kind of how I got started into it, and it's kind of grown into more since. I don't know. I would say – Definitely the rise of FIFA and FIFA YouTubers as well. And then you got stuff like Copa 90 and Kick TV as well that kind of kicked. I, I think stuff like that just made it so that it was more accessible for not only black people, just people in general to get into soccer. It's you can go on YouTube and type in FIFA and you can watch, you know, a skills montage video that goes 10 minutes long. And then you can watch a player and kind of how they have those mixtapes with basketball players. They have that same thing with soccer. So that's kind of how I got to it. Anybody else from uh, Debbie's song? Oh, well, I was going to say, Chris had to step away for a quick second. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll jump back yeah, in. So, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I said I'll jump back in. Uh, for me, it was like um, a, a little similar to Tony's experience, kind of being like the uh, the only black kid who was doing that thing. Um, and then growing up in, in England, I was uh, like, you know, like, hey, everyone played soccer. So, like, hey, come, come play soccer, play soccer. Um, Kenneth or uh, TK. Um, my real name, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, because uh, in your youth, in your youth, you ain't got, you ain't got, you know, a- aliases in your youth. You are who you this are. This is before anyway. you dropped the mixtape, basically. Yeah, absolutely, basically. Gotcha. So. Okay, I was pretty mixtape. So, um, yeah, and then just kind of coming to South Georgia, it's like 
freaking football is like the huge thing here. It's religion. So um, I was lucky kind of to even have a soccer team at my school, so I was still kind of connected to the game. You don't um, do that kind of football around. Here, boy. Why keep kicking the ball, No, nah, man, it was the – there was like always a crossover, the guy, the kicker. Obviously, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was always a thing, and then I think I really came back into the game um, pretty hard in like two thousand three, two thousand four, uh, like right when I was graduating high school. So I kind of just yeah been head head over heels ever since. Aww. Yeah, man. Well, it's nice because you know, like I can uh, link up with guys like this um, in the sense of like seeing like other people at Atlanta United who are like, damn, there's a lot of black folks around here. And then just like not knowing who those are, but you know, it's like slowly as the time goes on, like meeting people and like seeing that we all share the same interests and things like that. So it's been a nice to fellowship with these guys here. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's important to also like you know hear these kind of origin stories just to like know that there's a community, right? That oh, we're not the only black people watching you know soccer games early, early you know early Sunday morning, early Saturday morning. You know, oh, you know, we're not the only black people playing FIFA, right? That there's a community of, of, of black folks you know, heavily engaged uh, in the sport, kind of on all different levels. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a huge crossover, and it's just going to, like, continue to widen with um, – you could probably take it back to just early in the 90s with hip-hop and rap culture and how that has slowly mm-hmm. went from its own separate genre to popular culture. And I think along with that, things have, you know, jumped on the side, on the back of it, or on the train, if you will. And soccer is one of those things in America that benefited from hip-hop being, you know, popular culture. So, uh, Featherstone, Flamingos, I'm I'm interested in in what what the soccer culture looks like in, in, in Wisconsin. And kind of what the black soccer culture looks like in Wisconsin. So right now for the Ford Madison team, it's slightly to non-existent. Um, and that's like the whole idea behind this whole group because we're trying to bring that black awareness and black people into the game of soccer. Um, Madison, Wisconsin is a huge college football, college basketball town. So people are drawn to that. Um, and there's, there's a huge African-American and African soccer culture in Madison. But there's also a disconnect between that and the Ford Madison soccer team. So we're trying to bridge that gap with this group and then just bring our own experiences into it. I mean, my oldest son, who's 20, started playing when he was five, and he's always been the only black kid on his team. Like, that's just normal. Um, and even though Ford Madison is largely diverse, representing at least 11 different countries, we don't see that when we look out on the stands. And so we're trying to diversify that group. And that's just, you know, part of our, our mission in starting this whole thing. That's dope. That's dope. And I mean, it, it, it kind of brings me to uh, my next question about kind of what you all are doing specifically during Black History Month, you know, trying to um, kind of tap into that to that black community in, uh, in, in, in Madison. So what we're doing right now is we got a beanie on sale, but by the time this episode drops, the pre-sale love path. But we had a beanie for Black History Month with our own Featherstone specific patch for Black History Month. And half of the proceeds goes to the YWCA and the children's program over in Madison, Wisconsin. So that's kind of been the biggest thing that we've done. Otherwise, we've made some stickers um, celebrating and, I guess, bringing awareness to iconic black moments. 
And we also will have kind of like a kickback just to hang out. People can just join, listen to music, talk some soccer, and get to know us. And that'll be uh, this upcoming Sunday. And we also got to add like that, that picture that y'all made with the Malcolm X reference. That's probably the dopest thing I've seen for Black History Month That's, this year. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> can, y'all actually, uh, can y'all actually describe that? Because, I mean, yeah, that was a, that was a beautiful picture. And, and for those who haven't seen, can you describe uh, the patch, the Featherstone the, the Flamingos patch? Uh, yeah, so the patch, I'll start there. It's just a three-inch round patch um, embodied with the silhouette of uh, Africa with the Pan-African flag colors running through it. Um, to represent, you know, everybody, uh, all the descendants of Africa, no matter where they be, the African-American community and uh, blacks alike. Outside of that, when it comes to the, what I like to sometimes dub the Flockter X sticker, um, I just really wanted something bold that had made a statement inside of American history and black history, which are both in the same but still separate at the same time, to try and invoke the conversation um, during Black History Month. I know a lot of folks are aware of that, that photo, that iconic photo of Malcolm X with the M1 carbine. You know, it's a week after his, his New York apartment uh, or house was firebombed and a week before he was assassinated. Um, it just was a way for me to tie football, that plague doctor kind of we ready look that we brought in 2019 in with a very powerful moment in, in black history and American history to kind of, again, evoke those conversations based off a sticker and what you see there alone. Yeah, I thought that was a, I thought that was a, you know, a beautiful sticker and, and a beautiful patch. I mean, just to kind of boldly come out and say, look, this is, you know, a Pan-African uh, kind of uh, gesture and a symbol, right? And we're, and we're, and we're putting that in the context football I thought was a very powerful uh, very powerful image you know I think the timing of it is perfect too because now that documentary came out on Netflix with the you know right. the shot right. 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 type of thing right. like, yes. it's like you had an insider minor details minor details yeah yeah, yeah. I know the two of you <laughs> together <laughs> ah exactly. bring it all together and sorry no I said yeah just, uh, just bring it all together you know it's it's Timing of it is always, you know, right on time. It's like they knew something was going on. Give you guys a hint on the next one. It's going to involve uh, the late great Ali, so be prepared for that uh, logo coming out or design coming out soon. Ooh. Okay. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. And uh, for the culture, what about y'all? Y'all, um, I'm seeing y'all are doing uh, name sets or yeah, uh, what are doing for uh, Black History? Yeah, um, yeah. We, uh, of course, we. One of our main merch uh, deals is. Uh, creating uh, custom name sets for pretty much anyone. Uh, we wanted to give someone, everyone the opportunity to kind of give their own flavor to their jerseys because, you know, MLS and USL, they have like a pretty much a league standard font and basically it's like one color. I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you want to, you know, give your jersey some more flavors. And uh, so what we uh, did for, uh, for Black History Month is we – created a, a, a name set in, um, in Pan-African colors as well. Uh, uh, black, uh, black, red, and green with uh, with gold trim. And uh, proceeds from that's going to Camp, uh, Camp Horizon. Uh, t- t- tell the kids about, about that, TK. 
Uh, Camp Horizon is a local nonprofit here in Atlanta for um, Atlanta's foster youth. Uh, we mentor kids from the ages of 8 to 23. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, kind of a, a program about restoring dignity for uh, some of these kids that have been um, abused. Uh, and they have, like, you know, incredibly um, rough backgrounds that they're coming from. So uh, anything that we can do to change what their their future looks like is uh, going to be a positive. And that's uh, kind of our whole program. We have things throughout the year, Christmas programs, outings, a summer program. Um, so we do things with a... Uh, like a leadership development once they start getting a little bit older into the preteen ages. Um, so we try to uh, do the whole gamut and, you know, just impact them as much as we can. And, uh, and of course, with the with the podcast, basically we actually started this uh, back uh, actually with uh, the week of uh, MLK uh, on the holiday. And basically every week we've had uh, different guests, uh, 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 black, black voices, uh, go- Talking about the game, whether it's players, coaches, uh, supporters, you know, all given, you know, their various perspectives and, you know, of what's going on in, in their particular corners and, you know, and just, you know, what's, what's, um, what's going on with, with their particular initiatives as well. Like we, uh, we had, uh, Kim Crabb on, uh, back in January. Uh, she's the first, uh, African American woman that was caught up by the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, we had her, we had, um, Coach from uh, Jackson State, uh, Kevin Larry. We have Black Fires on. Uh, we took a quick break last week because uh, we were talking kids and everything. But uh, and of course, uh, uh, this week uh, we have we have you guys on. And um, time out. I got to interrupt. I'm sorry. It, we our podcast is you know that Black History Month is every month. Mm-hmm. Hence for the culture. Mm-hmm. So damn it, <laughs> twelve months of Black History Month. That's what we do on this podcast. That every show that we do is part of Black History. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> I'm also glad that they caught on the 366th of leap year. <laughs> nah, man, we we do need a day off, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we um, yeah we have that. Of course, you know we've changed up our um, our social media um, logos. You know, Pan African colors on on that as well. So yeah, we uh, we even we even started to do stickers up in this mug. So yeah, <laughs> we we've. Um, yeah, we yeah, we're trying to do our, our 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 little little bit, you know, get get more voices out there, and and uh that uh, that again wouldn't always get that type of platform, and uh, you know go from there. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I think all of this is is, is really dope, um, and I'm, yeah, I mean, I definitely echo you know the point made about you know we're doing this twelve months a year, right? Uh, I, d- I definitely appreciate. Appreciate that nuance. Um, I'm also, I guess, I guess one of the main things that kind of caught my attention. Uh, I mean, really between you, I mean, um, for the culture, Featherstone, and uh, the Richmond Kickers mm-hmm. was the Henny Dark, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, like when we talk about like black soccer culture, that's what that, like the Henny Dark symbolizes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you gonna highlight? Okay, all right. <laughs> It's so I'm just trying to know how that, you know, how y'all started that, you know, when did that come about, and like what, like what is the significance of the, of the, of the handicap? Uh, so, so Madison was playing the Richmond Kickers for USL League One. Um, Elliot, who's old, who's down in Richmond, messaged me on Twitter asking if we wanted to put a bet for this match. 
course, I'm going to take a bet, and then winner gets a bottle of honey from the loser. Seems very simple. Seems very straightforward. And then Madison lost, and I had to buy a bottle of honey and ship it down to Richmond, and that pissed me off. <laughs> but the next match was in Madison again. Madison won that one, so I got a bottle of Hennessy from Elliot, and then they had a third and final match, which thankfully Madison won. But with that one, there was a whole trophy made. We had a road trip. April, Chris, and I and a couple other people in Madison made a whole road trip, went down to Richmond. We had North Carolina supporters joining in. We had just a bunch of random fans like Pablo Maurer from The Athletic was there as well. Like, just became this phenomenon and kind of out of nowhere. And then we have this Henny Derby trophy. So Madison thankfully won that, so we got to take it back to Wisconsin with us. And now for the season opener for USL League One, it is Madison going down to Richmond. So it'll continue on, and I'm hoping that trophy stays comes back to Wisconsin. But that's kind of how it all started, just a random Twitter bet that Elliot started in. Then it became just a running joke, and then it became a trophy. Yeah. Now I'm saying it's the biggest rivalry in all of lower league soccer. Mm, history just been made. Do we need to make a bet? Because I, I, all I want is to spot a cow. That's really all I want, man. <laughs> yeah, you have to come up with something different, man. <laughs> so well, we're a... sending the Henny Derby trophy down, and it's coming back up. So that's all I'm going to say. There's going to be a new derby that uh, starts this year. It's going to be the Newport. Darby, uh, yeah, pack of Newports. Uh, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with the Henny Darby. <laughs> yeah, pack of Newports, bro. Come on, can't get blacker than that. Oh god. I'm sorry. And I mean, so I mean, have you seen the have you seen the Henny Darby like grow or expand over the years? Like like each on each occasion, have you seen it get bigger or? How's that? How's that been going? Wait, sorry, repeat the question. I didn't hear it. Yeah, no, no. I was just asking. How, uh, I mean, have you seen? Um, have you seen the Henny Derby kind of expand and grow as each you know as each year goes by? I mean, how are you? How do you guys plan on kind of well, um, expanding? One, it's only been one year so far. So, um, but uh, I, I think just you know looking at it from an indirect point of view because it's like. We brought everyone together, but at the same time, they kind of took it and made it their own thing. Um, I think just from the fact that you have both teams pretty much uh, embrace, you know, that rivalry and, and, and derby, because this all came from, you know, them, the supporters. So, uh, okay. you know, and them and the team saying, like, oh, I see, you know, this is, you know, really what – um, the supporters are getting behind, like it actually, you know, makes sense. And, and uh, in Elliot's case, you know, he was able to tie that in to a uh, uh, heritage night uh, back in Richmond um, uh, during the September uh, match. And I think just that alone speaks a whole lot because sometimes, you know, you might just have like an inside joke from supporters that never really, you know, gets embraced by the team in any type of way. So the fact that the team say, you know what, hey, we 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 see this and you know we're we're, we're cool with this. Like that, I think that alone speaks volumes. And um, of course, through our social media, you know, we see you know supporters from elsewhere. The court they hear about it and they're like, oh, that that's cool as shit. And it's and it's like how how come we didn't think of anything you know as you know clever and original as that? And you know. 
a lot a lot of these things, you know, it, it could be just completely organic and you're just doing it just, you know, hey, you know, for shits and giggles, but at the same time, through that becomes you know, that turns into culture for the club, for the supporters, and and not in 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 their case, you know, for the league itself. And I think that, you know, how many um entities have gotten behind it is that, that that's really dope to see. Yeah, and I think the big thing is how it was organic and also there's not that many rivalries in USL League One in general. You know, I would say there's only two at the moment. It's the Henny Derby and then Greenville and South Georgia and otherwise there isn't much else. And I think that's kind of the cool part of it is it was an and it was an organic rivalry that started. It's not like the teams are trying to force it. It's not like the league was trying to push it. It was just, you know, two supporters deciding Let's just do this thing, and then it kind of grew. And I think it's going to continue growing in terms of notoriety. I know, at least on Madison's side, it's probably the biggest rivalry that everyone talks about. And anytime we go anywhere and they ask where the Henny Derby is, that's a constant question. And I think it helps that there is a trophy that we can walk around with and we can show and we can display as well. Y'all need tattoos. Y'all need tattoos. I don't know about tattoos yet. (laughs) come on, man. (laughs) Tell, tell Henny to send the contract and I'm down. Right. I'm gonna need I'm gonna have to get sponsored or something. They need to send a bottle of Hennessy every time we go down to Richmond or something. But Speaking I think of, that's uh, kind of the one thing where I know the club in Madison at least, I know Connor Kaloya, one of the owners, was kind of wondering like, is there a way that we can maybe, you know, see if there's a partnership with our vendors to get a free bottle of Hennessy to send down and I think that would be a pretty cool thing. But it's just kinda of wild how it's grown and it's kind of become this thing that everyone is aware of. You guys should tag Hennessy with every single photo for like, I don't know, the whole year. I mean, just, Elliot's been doing the countdown. So like, like every tweet that he does, he'd be like, hey, tag Hennessy, tag Hennessy. I would, you know, yeah, I would badger the shit out of him. Hennessy is delicious, but you know what's even more refreshing? Red Stripe. This is 11.2 <laughs> full fluid <laughs> ounces. Yeah, Red Stripe. <laughs> This this oh, is a delicious no, no, no. red stripe. Not only one of my favorite beers, but also one of my favorite leagues. <laughs> red stripe. You make my day. Oh, you are funny, man. Beautiful. <laughs> that was a red edition through a conch. I just want you all to know it was through a conch. It's a real one, too. Yep. This ad brought to you by Coach Tone. <laughs> but, uh, thanks, uh, Doc, Dr. Uh, Jermaine Scott, Brother Son Flamingos. Always good to chop it up with you guys. You know, it will be coming, coming at my neck. Y'all going to be hearing about that in part two. We're going to uh, uh, get y'all ready for part two. We're going to re up on this red stripe. Kind of low. And, uh, TK, you going to make that run again? Yep. All right. gone, man. So, you got mine. So, yes, uh, of course, before, before we go, as always, Catch us on the on the social FTC UTD and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do all the other plugs on the second half. So yeah, just uh, catch y'all back in a few.